Hello, welcome. Well, we are in week four of our series, Resurrection. We're coming to an end. Week four, what a, what a series we've had. It's been fantastic. If you're looking for a subheading for the message today, it is, it is set up. Everybody say set up. Set up. Set up. Ever, ever been set up before? Anybody been set up on a date before? Anybody been set up on a date that was disastrous? Anyway, we're not talking about, we're not, good news is we're not going to be talking about that. That's, that's the good news. Um, but uh, back in 2015, uh, my wife got invited to a wedding. And um, she, she had just finished, she had just got a Bachelor of Music. And it was one of her fellow students who was getting married. And, and which means that I was going to be the plus one. The plus one to this, to this, uh, to this wedding. And when I'm going to go to this wedding. You ever been a plus one? at a function where you don't know anybody, you know, you're just the plus one, you're kind of awkward, you kind of feel awkward, you kind of look for a drink to hold so you can hide behind your drink or maybe blend in with your drink, you know, you're just like, you're just standing there and then you're just trying to have random conversation with random people that have no idea. You kind of look out, you kind of look for other plus ones who you look awkward as well and then you can at least go someone else to be awkward with. Um, well, anyway, but what, at the same time, I was playing a sport called American football, okay, don't judge me. Okay, I know they wear pads and, and a helmet, but that's okay. It's a different sport. It's, it's, it's not like rugby in a rugby league. It's a different sport. It's a different sport altogether. It's, just, it's, not, it's not a like for like. I just wanted to say that. Well, anyway, um, I had that same day that she told me that the wedding was on was also the day that, uh, that we were playing against a team I really wanted to play against because it was my old team from Auckland. It was the Wildcats. And the Wildcats were also the defending champs. And I really, 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 really wanted to play that game. And so I went to Poro and I, was, and I tried to sell her the idea because I figured I can play my game and then turn up to the most important part of the wedding, the reception. <laughs> food. <laughs> okay, food. You got it out of me. However, I went to go sell the idea to my wife, but she wasn't buying. So anyway, a month later, a month, month later, we're, we're, we're on the Gold Coast. We're celebrating our 10th wedding anniversary in 2015. Celebrating our 10th wedding anniversary, and, and uh, we're in Surface Paradise. And well, you know, the last day um, of our trip, you know, I took Poro to her favorite stores in the mall because she hadn't had an opportunity to shop. And, and how many ladies love to shop? How many ladies love to shop when your husband says, shop to your heart's content? Come on. Yes and, yes and amen. Yes and amen. And, uh, well, we, I did that. And I said, well, just, just go for it. Don't, don't worry about it. That's, I mean, this is the last day of our trip. Whatever we got left, you go for it. Right? And, and we went to two, two stores in the mall. We were there for two hours. <laughs> two stores. And, you know, a lot of husbands know what long suffering is like, and this is what it, But anyway, I didn't complain. I was there, and, and I was holding all the bags, you know, all these bags. <laughs> and she come, at the end, she comes up to me and goes, thank you so much for this. This was the icing on the cake for our trip away. And I just replied to her, can I play my game? <laughs> and she said, yes. Yeah. Yes. It was a setup. It was a setup. It was a setup in motion from a month before. It was a setup. I, kinda, I told my daughter, Rayla, this idea. I, I said, hey, this is what I'm going to share in church. And then this is, she told me something that I never saw from another angle. She said, well, how do you know mom never set you up? <laughs> that mom was setting you up for, uh, to take her shopping. And I was going, well, I actually didn't think about that. Anyway, I, I like to think it was my setup. It was my setup, and, I, and, I, and you know what? I got to play my game, and then I had a feast at the reception at the end. It was a win-win for me. <laughs> Praise God. It was a setup. But when it comes to, to setups, setups, we can take setups um, in another way. In fact, 
maybe one of the reasons why you don't want to come to church is because you kind of feel church as a setup. Maybe you kind of feel that faith is about checking your brain in at the door before you're coming in because church is about, is about a trap. It's setting you up for a trap, and, and that's what you think. Or, or, or maybe, maybe the reason why you, you may, may have walked away from your faith or maybe you, you considered about walking away from your faith is, is because your mom was sick and, and you prayed for her, you believed, you prayed, you believed, and she ended up in hospital. And then, and then the pastor came and he prayed, and members of the church came, they prayed, and they prayed loud prayers. And, that's, and, you, and you prayed and you prayed and prayed, but she died anyway. And you start to think to yourself, well, maybe God isn't to be trusted. Or, or maybe you start to think to yourself, well, maybe God doesn't even exist. Maybe God's not even real, right? Or, or sometimes, when we, and it's because of our concept of what faith is, that, that our faith is based upon answered prayers. Our faith is based upon promises that God never made in the first place. Sometimes we think faith is kind of like this invisible lasso that we throw around God's neck and, 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 and that if you believed enough and, and a whole bunch of you believed enough that we can, we can move God to do something that he was planning to do in the first place. And, and do you know what we call that? We call that magic. We call that paganism. That's not Christianity. That's not what faith is all about. Our faith is not based upon, your faith is not based upon answered prayer. Your faith is not based upon any of that. In fact, the writers of Hebrews, um, they, they uh, he begins to, as being under the, the power of the Holy Spirit, begins to write what faith is. And we can complicate faith, can't we? We can complicate that faith is all about me, about what I can do. And, 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 if I, and, um, and what that means is that I'm in control. But I've got news for you. God is the one who's in control. God is the one who's always in control. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me quickly to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. And it says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for. And so here's the writer, he's introducing another word, hope. What is hope? See, hope is wanting something to be with no guarantee, right? That's what hope is. Hope is wanting something to be with no guarantee. I mean, you hope for a raise, right? I hope for a raise. You may be in this room, you hope that you get a girlfriend. Maybe, you, maybe your mom hopes you get a girlfriend. Maybe your mom hopes that she gets some grandkids. But anyway, I'm not going to be talking about that either. Then he goes on, an assurance about what we do not see. So how do we go from hope so to assurance? How do we go? And the answer is simple. It's really simple. I mean, how do you know you're going to get a raise? How do you know you're going to get a raise? It's when the boss walks in and says, you know, I know you've been hoping for a raise. And I just want to tell you, I've got some good news for you. I'm going to give you a raise, right? See, your boss has given you assurance when your boss gives you assurance, hope moves to faith. See, faith is based upon evidence. See, hope is, is, is hoping something to be with no guarantee. But it moves to assurance based upon evidence, right? See, faith is confidence in who Jesus is. And that he will do what he promised to do. See, what did Jesus promise to do? You know what, what Jesus didn't promise to do? Jesus didn't promise to answer all your prayers. And I thank God that God didn't answer all my prayers. I'm glad, I thank, I thank God that, that he didn't answer my son's prayers. Otherwise, he'll be playing Xbox all his life with money appearing in his bank account. Yeah. Right? How many of us pray, prayed for, how many of us prayed for, um, to win the lotto? How many of our prayers got answered? See, our prayers cannot be, 
We cannot base our prayers upon answered prayers. I mean, our faith upon answered prayers. But this is what Jesus promised to do. He promised to take away your shame. He promised to take away your regrets. He promised to take away your guilt. And he paid for it at the cross. At the cross is what he promised to do. Amen? See, he promises, he doesn't promise condemnation, but he promises freedom. I mean, I will still walk in hard times. I will still have my trials. I will still sometimes find a testing of my faith. But my faith is not based upon my current condition. My faith is based upon my current position in Him and in Jesus's. When my prayers aren't answered, my faith isn't based upon that. It's based upon who Jesus is. When things are going, uh, uh, is, is falling apart all around me, I will still stand because of who Jesus is and what He has done. And it's because it's not about my condition, my current condition, but it's about my current position in Jesus. Amen? Amen. 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 Come on. See, many have walked away from their faith because of presumed promises that God never made. See, you may be in a losing season, but God is setting you up for a winning season. I'm here to tell you that. You may be in a losing season, but God is setting you up for a winning season. Come on. And we're going to go and start in Scripture where we began with. When, we, when Pastor Ryan started our series in week one, and week one was called Get Up, week four is Set Up. Come on, because it was a setup. He was setting it up for what we're going to end with. So let us go back to where we started as we end. Mark chapter 5, verse 21. And it reads, Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on both on the, on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, everybody say Jairus. He arrived, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. Now, this is something, because you're, uh, you're prostrate yourself before a king. Jairus, Jairus was the leader of the synagogue. He, he was kind of like the senior pastor. And for this prominent man to prostrate himself before for Jesus was something. It meant that, 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 that he recognized the authority of Jesus. And I love this because Jairus humbled himself before Jesus. I, I, wonder, I, I wonder maybe the, the struggles and issues we have, I wonder if the reason why we haven't got breakthroughs is because of pride. Well, you know, I'm a Christian and I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be having any of these, these, these areas that I'm, I'm just going to ignore it because I shouldn't be like this. I shouldn't have anxiety. I shouldn't have depression. I shouldn't, I shouldn't feel, I'm just going to ignore it. When we ignore it, it continues to grow. But we need to face it, and, and we need to say, come on, I'm not ignoring. I'm taking it to the cross. I'm taking it to the cross of Jesus, because this is what Jesus promised, that he, that he comes into my past, and he takes away my shame, my guilt, and regret. But we've got to deal with it at the cross. The answer is always at the cross. We can't ignore it, and sometimes our pride keeps us ignoring it. I'll be fine. I'll be okay. I'm fine, but we've got to take it to Jesus. If you're, if you're struggling with something, I'm here to tell you, uh, you we need to take it to the cross every single day. Let's not, don't just come up on Sunday for prayer. Uh, come on, please pray for me. I'm struggling in this area. And then that's it till the following Sunday. No, it's every single day. I take it to the cross every single day. And Jesus, I lay this at your feet. Jesus, I lay this at your feet. Come on. This is how we overcome the enemy, by the blood of the lamb. Come on. And the words of our testimony, our testimony is who Jesus is in our life. Come on, let's take it to the cross. Take it to the cross.
Then he fell at the feet of Jesus, pleading fervently with him, my little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went to him and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. So she suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, 12 years, she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. Have you ever felt like that? You're struggling or something? You go to seek help and you kind of get worse? So what happens when we, things will get worse in your life when we, when we go to the wrong place. And let me tell you where the right place is, is at Jesus, the feet of Jesus. He is the answer. He's the author and the perfecter. He's the pioneer of your faith. And this is where we need to go. Verse 24, Jesus went, went with him and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd, I just read that, didn't I? And here we go. Thank you. It was so good. So here she is. She suffered from this condition, right? And she's getting worse. She's getting worse. She's getting worse. And in Hebrew custom, when, 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 if, you're, uh, if you are, uh, have a discharge of blood longer than your, than your cycle, then you're considered unclean. So anything you touch becomes unclean. You sit on a chair, that chair becomes unclean. Now, if anybody sits on it, now they're unclean. Now, if you touch somebody, that person will become unclean. But she heard about Jesus. So she came to Jesus. She heard about Jesus. You know why she came to Jesus? Because somebody told her about Jesus. I wonder how many people come to church if somebody heard about Jesus. So she had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd, touched his robe, for she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, then I'll be healed. See, this is risky for her because she's unclean. And, And to get to Jesus, she had to squeeze through a whole bunch of other people, which meant she's making all them unclean. And if they found out who she was, it could mean her life. But she pushed through the crowd and she touched Jesus. Why would she touch a man of God knowing that she would purposely make him unclean? And the reason why she came to Jesus was not because of faith, was because of evidence. Because she had heard that Jesus touches unclean people all the time. That Jesus had no problem touching unclean unclean people. A person, she had heard that a person of leprosy had come to Jesus and Jesus touched them. Yeah. And this drove the religious leaders crazy because you don't touch unclean things. You certainly do not touch unclean people, but Jesus always touched unclean people. And, and you know what's amazing? Jesus never became unclean. It was the opposite. He brought healing. And so she knew, she knew, she knew without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus could do what no one else could. Because yeah. her faith was not based upon an answered prayer. Her faith was based upon who Jesus was and, and what he promised Amen. to do. Come on, this is what your faith needs to be based upon. Not upon answered prayer, not upon anything else, not upon what you can do, but it's based upon what Jesus can do. Come on. And I love this. And then verse 29, immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. So you may be in a losing season, but I'm here to tell you that God is setting you up for, uh, for a winning season. Come on, your winning season is on its way. You may feel like you're in a place of, of failure on a, or a setback, or you feel like taking a step back, but God is here setting you up for a winning season. Come on. And in verse 30, Jesus realized that once the healing power had gone out from him, so he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask, who touched me? Verse 32, but he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling, because she was frightened because she wasn't meant to be there. 
She was trembling. And at the realization of what had happened, she knew she was healed. She came and she fell at her, at her, on her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And I love this. And he said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. See, when this woman is introduced into the story, she was a nobody. She was just a, a woman. She was just called a woman. That's, that's, that's her name. A woman, a nobody, a woman with an issue of blood. So Jesus takes a nobody and made her a daughter. This speaks of relationships. She is now a daughter, a member of the family of God. You can go from being unsaved to saved in a moment. You can go from having a condition. Come on. You can go from having a condition to a position in a moment. Come on. You may be in a losing season, but God is setting you up for a winning season. Come on. Verse 35, while he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leaders of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. So in the verse just before, you see this amazing story of Jesus restoring this woman, restoring her to a daughter, restoring her to position, changing her condition and giving her a position in the family of God. And then in the following verse, another daughter is dead. Another daughter is dead. See, the reason why these two contrasting stories are, are intertwined together is because it's about hope being restored because this builds your faith because your faith is not a, on some kind of, I hope so, and if I can move God. It's not based on what you can do, but it's based upon what Jesus can do. So what do you do when you lose control? You've got to, it's about putting your trust in Jesus, that Jesus can do. Jesus can do. See, because what happens when you prayed, you prayed, you believed, you believed, you believed, but your hope dies anyway. What happens when, when you've served in the ministry all your life, but your hope dies anyway? What do we do? Yeah. And here's the application. Here's the application found in verse 36. But Jesus overheard them and, and he said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. Don't be afraid, just have faith. See, God never promised that nothing bad will happen to you. Yeah. Come on, some of our faith is, is based upon that. Well, you know, oh, well, why is this happening to me? I've been good. I've, I've done all these good things. I've read my Bible. I've gone to church. And, you know, I, I've, I've done all these good things. And, you know, surely God should answer my prayers. The problem with that is that your faith is now based upon you. It's based upon that you're in control. But it's, not, it's, it's never based upon you. It's based upon God. Because God, I've got, I've got news for you. God is the one who's in control. God is in control. Because my, my faith is not based on my current condition by my current position in Jesus. So, G, so, so Jesus says to Jairus, Jairus, come on, Jairus. Come on, you came to me because you knew who I am. So I'm going to do what I said I was going to do. And the reason why you walked away from your faith is because God didn't answer some legitimate prayers, right? We understand when God doesn't answer me winning the lotto. But then when I've got a legitimate prayer, come on, God. Come on, you know, and you are told that if you believe, you believe, you believe, you believe that you can somehow move God to do what he never promised to do in the first place. And we lose faith. See, God never demonstrated his love for you by promising that nothing bad will happen to you. He didn't, he didn't do that. And he, didn't, he certainly didn't demonstrate his love to you by promising that every illness will be healed. He didn't promise that either. In fact, God's promises is far more wonderful than all of those. 
In fact, the Apostle Paul would write, in fact, if you know who the Apostle Paul is, before he, he becomes a follower of Jesus, he hated the church. He persecuted the church. Then he becomes a follower of Jesus, and he begins to write letters to the churches to encourage them, and those letters become books in our New Testament Bibles. Well, the Apostle Paul would write in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. He writes this, But God demonstrates. It had nothing to do with making sure everything works out for you, but God demonstrates. God demonstrates His own love for us in this while we were still sinners. Now the reason this is present tense is because the Apostle Paul was still alive when Jesus was crucified. So Paul's right, so when he writes this, this, this means so much to him. Because God demonstrates his love for him while he was still a sinner, while he was spitting in Jesus' face, while he was crying out, crucify him. You know, God demonstrated his love for you while you were still a sinner, while you were still doing things against the will of God. Jesus went and died for you anyway because he loves you. And what I love about this verse, God's love for you has got nothing to do with you. There's nothing you can do for God to love you anymore because he already loves you. He loved you while you were still a sinner. But he died for you anyway. He demonstrates his love for you by the cross, which is why the cross which is why the cross is central to who we are, why the cross is central to your faith. It's because of who Jesus is and what he promises to do. Amen? Amen. Verse 41, holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old. You know what's really interesting? That this this 12-year-old girl had lived the same amount of years that the woman with the issue of blood had been ill. Yet in the same year, they both were healed. What's interesting is the number 12 in the Bible represents perfection, God's perfect timing, and symbolizes God's power and authority. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. See, this was a setup. Come on, just like Lazarus was a setup. When, when, when he was told, when he told us this over that Lazarus is dead, come on, Jesus was setting something up for the miraculous. You know, Jesus is never late. He's always on time. This was a setup. The Jews, I mean, the, Jairus, they, they thought that Jesus was late. He wasn't late because it was a setup. He was, a, he was bringing something about the miraculous. He was setting her up for a comeback. God is always on time. You know, you got to understand there's, a, there's another setup at work here. See, when Mark records the words of Jesus, it's interesting because he uses the original language, the Aramaic word, Talitha Kum. He uses the, that's Aramaic. He uses the original language. So everything else is in Greek, but here he uses Aramaic. The next time Mark would use Aramaic is when Jesus is on the cross in Mark chapter 15. When Jesus cries out, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So Mark connects these two verses together. Connects them together. That Jesus will overcome death in the home of Jairus and that he will overcome death on a cross for all mankind. Come on. You may be in a losing season, but God is setting you up for a winning season. Come on. See, we've got to stop being jealous of people in their winning season because we don't know what they lost in their losing season. 
See, Jairus, seeing that his daughter is dead and then another daughter is restored, he could easily have become bitter. But Jesus reminded Jairus of who Jesus was. He is the way maker. He's the miracle worker. He's the promise keeper. He's the light in the darkness. That's who He is. Come on. You may be in a losing season, but God is setting you up for a winning season. We gotta guard our hearts from bitterness. Come on. Everyone else is getting a breakthrough. Everyone else is getting healed. Come on. Guard our hearts because bitterness will seep in. Resentment will seep in. You know, last year, me and my wife were blessed. We traveled last year. You know, we, me and my wife, we walked the Great Wall of China. We walked the mountains of Tibet. We took our family on a holiday to the GC, Gold Coast, Surface Paradise. We brought our family with us this time. And we ended off the year by looking at the wonders of Queenstown. It's interesting that in the beginning of this year, Puro received a message from somebody who was going through some hard times. This, they were just in a losing season at the time. And they write to Puro and they say to her that, that, you should, that we shouldn't be traveling. We should stay right here where, where life really is. Right? See, it's easy to get jealous of people in a, wheezing, in a winning season. They had no idea what we lost in our losing season. Come on, there are people, and you understand what I'm talking about here. There are people in this room, you're in a winning season right now. Come on. But you, you know exactly what you lost in your losing season. Come on, you may be in a losing season right now. I'm telling you right now, God is setting you up. He's setting you up. He's setting you up for a winning season because of what He did for you on the cross, what He promised you at the cross. Come on. You know, when I was growing up, when, when I was growing up in Mangere, I never, I never knew that one day I would, I would walk the, the Great Wall of China, be in the wondrous place called Queenstown with the most beautiful woman on my arm, my wife. And while I was in Queenstown, I had a moment with God. And God took me back when I was a boy in Mangere with my boys having fish and chips in some park. And, and I looked to Mangere Mountain because that was my mountain. That's my maunga, right? It's what I connect with. And it's, Mangere Mountain is a volcanic mound. That was my mountain. But I remember looking at it, I remember thinking, is this, is this my life? I could never imagine where God will take me. Come on, I'm telling you, if you're in a losing season, come on. Come on, God is setting you up. He's setting you up for a winning season. He's setting you up. See, the, the devil... The devil thought he won when Jesus was crucified on the cross. He started to dance a jig when the tomb was sealed. But it was a setup. It was a setup. Jesus was making his comeback. He was making his comeback. He is the resurrection. He is the life. Come on. He's the light in the darkness. That's who he is. That's who he is. Father, we thank you. That's who you are. Come on. Yes, He's a way maker. He's a miracle worker. He's a promise keeper. He's a light in the darkness. That's who you are. Father God, we thank you. We thank you. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. That's who you are. 
my faith is not based upon unanswered prayer. My faith is not based upon my current condition, but it's based upon my current position and who you are and who you are. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, the light and the darkness. That is who you are. That is who my faith is based upon.